What is going on? Welcome to the Land Podcast. This week we have Anthony Warren. Anthony, I've known for a couple years now, and it's been really cool to see his real estate investing and career kind of take off here since 2020. And he's learned a lot and has done a lot of deals here. And so this is another kind of conversation about leveraging residential real estate in order to get into land. So that's the beauty of this podcast. You get to hear so many different ways to get into land or continue to grow more uh, land ownership. Whatever your goals are, we try to bring in so many different guests that have different perspectives and hopefully you can take a snippet out of this and put it into what your plans are. And if not, that's okay too. I think it's just a great conversation to have. And uh, the more you know about this, the better off you're going to be. And so he's talking about uh, the Burr method. He's talking about flipping houses. And the other thing of it as well is we talk a little bit about like what similarities could there be with flipping or the Burr method in comparison to land. So it's something that uh, I think you guys might find interesting. And before we get into this, a couple quick announcements. This is going to be the last call for the five-star reviews to be in the running for the MMT Arrows. Definitely gonna wanna do that. We are shipping a ton of them out and there's a lot of orders coming in. And uh, it's been so great to see all that support for that new product. Also, Velvet Fest is rocking. All you have to do is use the code VELVETFEST at checkout to save 20% off any multi-render order on our website. And regardless if you order any arrows or any cameras, you are gonna get a free winner. So you're gonna get a winning scratch-off card for VELVETFEST and uh, there's a variety of prizes for that. So if you're a gambling man, be sure to take advantage of that. Some really great things. We have some more VELVETFEST savings coming here very soon. So just keep an eye out on your email and uh, tune in here on the podcast. So just wanna say thank you to everybody. Before we get into it, you know the drill here. And if you don't, and this is the first time you're tuning in, the goal of this podcast is to help 100 people buy their first farm. So that can mean a couple things. I'm licensed here in the state of Illinois. I can help you buy a piece of ground in Illinois. Number two, if you just wanna get connected with someone that I would personally do business with, I will do my best to facilitate that and get you in contact with someone. I, I don't know every pocket of the country. I don't have people I trust in every pocket of the country, but if there is someone that I know and trust that I would also do business with, I will be happily to make an introduction. And the last one is if you just simply learn something from this podcast or it helps you take action or anything else, let me know. I want to add you to the spreadsheet. It's the goal to help 100 people and we're chipping away at it every single week. So I hope you guys have a great week. Here we go. All right, we're live. I have Anthony Warren here, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on here today. How you doing? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, Jake. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Excited to uh, talk to you. Uh, we chat back and forth a little bit, but uh, it's good to finally hop on and do a show with you. Yeah, I'm pumped. Yeah, it's. Um, I think we met. A f- the first time we probably met was um, two years ago, maybe. I think yeah. we talked beforehand, but in terms of actual meeting. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I think it was summer of 2020. We were doing some scouting stuff with the, uh, the element guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was the first time meeting. I was like, I was like that gummy, man. I can't believe it took us this long to get this. Done. <laughs> I finally ended up meeting Chad too. Um, uh, I, I guess a fair amount of time later when, uh, when, uh, he and Cameron were doing the whitetail cribs over at Reese's place. I was, oh, uh, you I stopped was over there. there. Yeah. I got to meet Chad as well and sit and talk to him. So awesome. Uh, yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, um, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, take a minute to introduce yourself and, and what you do. Yeah. So, um, like you said, my name is Anthony Warren. I, um, I just got out of the army in December. I spent 14 and a half years in, uh, in the army between the active duty and the national guard. Um, 
And uh, now that I'm out of the army, I invest in real estate full time. Um, before I separated from the army, I started um, started investing. Well, really, I start I started kind of dabbling in real estate in 2012. I used to be licensed in the state of Texas as a real estate agent, and I didn't really ever do a ton with it. Um, kind of got more in the investing scene through um, a lieutenant of mine who was in the army, and then um, as time went on. I, it was something that I was always enamored with. And I always kind of knew like, Hey, this is, this is the, uh, the quickest way to, to build wealth. Um, and so anyways, I bought my first investment property in 2018 and then in 2020 started my own investment company after I got to uh, Fort Campbell, which is in, uh, Clarksville. Uh, I live in Clarksville, Tennessee, but Fort Campbell is actually in Kentucky because the base splits half in uh, Tennessee, half in, um, in Kentucky. So, Mm -hmm. um, and since then, uh, like I said, I got out in December and I just invest full time now. That's cool. So I think when most people hear real estate full time, they, they think real estate agents. So, uh, obviously you were an agent uh, previously in Texas, but how, and your wife's an agent too, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, um, we started the company and I'm not licensed anymore. So, um, basically I realized, Hey, for me to do what I'm good at, I don't really need a license. So, um, what, what that is, what I'm referencing is, um, marketing to, um, you know, off market properties or, or direct to seller. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we purchase properties direct directly from, uh, homeowners. Um, and so because we do that and, and I'm, I have a little bit of experience, you know, handling the paperwork and then, um, dealing with the title company, there's, there's really just never a, a a necessity for me to have my license specifically, but we did see a, a need to kind of, um, vertically, uh, vertically integrate, um, our business. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the best way to do that was for my wife to, um, become licensed. So she is, um, she has shifted into a lot of residential, um, type transactions, but she also lists our flips. Um, and then, you know, so she can help facilitate. And then it, it was just another way for us to kind of recapture, um, you know, more money on the backside after we got done flipping a deal instead of paying another agent, you know, 3% to list it. And then the, um, the buyer's agent 3% to bring a buyer more money in your pocket. <laughs> yeah. It was just a way to, to recoup, uh, you know, that extra money. So yeah. Um, and access to the MLS. How important is that in oh, terms of finding yeah. deals fast? Yeah, it's uh, it's it, the biggest thing that um, MLS has provided is obviously um, having the experience as an agent. I'm very familiar with running comp, so uh, don't tell anybody. But I, I do hop on my wife's MLS. <laughs> I, I run comps on all our deals and stuff like that. So, or if I don't, then I you know shoot her the address, and say, hey, I need comps on this property. I'm about to go look at it. So, um, it's really helped us to um, to know exactly. Um, you know, what we're walking into and I never have an issue where I, I have the after repair value of a property wrong because I do have access to that. So it's, it's helped immensely. So there, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, um, good things that have come from that. So. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. And so, I mean, ultimately, so you're, you're post-military, man, I've noticed so many folks that retire from the military or when they, you know, finish their military career, go right into being 
successful business owners. Um, do you have any comment on that? Cause I mean, you, there's just a lot of people that really do that on small, like obviously like the Jocko type people, but even on smaller businesses too. Yeah. Um, so I'll say it's probably a, a 50, 50 thing. Um, you know, the, the one thing is that there are a lot of motivated people, um, in the army. And, and, and honestly, if you're going to leave the military, there, there's gotta be some motivation. Why? Um, because I know a lot of people and, and there's parts of it that I love too, but there's a lot of people that they love it enough that they're just going to do it for 20 years and, and they're going to be happy about it. Uh, and then I would say that there's another, uh, group of people who get out and they're like, Hey, I know that I can have uh, more of the things that I want in life and have less control and they're disciplined people so that they're able to get out and uh, take action. Right. So that's the biggest step in, in anything in life is, is just uh, taking, the action. Yeah, taking the action and, and, and just making progress through steady, repeatable action. Um, and so with that being said, um, you know, it was one of those things that I just kind of knew uh, in the military, I was, I was always going to be capped by rank structure um, and, and with that being said, uh, you know, you don't have as much flexibility in, in, you know, your day-to-day life. Uh, you know, you always kind of have to ask somebody to take your vacation or when you can take your vacation, how many days a month or a year are you going to get a vacation? And, and those are all great things. But for me, I knew, um, that I wanted more out of, out of my life. And I wanted to be able to, uh, to kind of control everything that I could, um, as far as, um, you know, when I was going to take time off. I know that if I work really hard, I'm going to get compensated for that work um, versus just kind of showing up and doing the bare minimum and getting paid whatever I was going to get paid. So mm-hmm. um, I, I would say that it's kind of a divided thing, but the the people that do get out, they're generally pretty motivated and they have a lot of discipline uh, and that all they know is how to take action. So they're generally pretty successful whenever they do, um, you know, get out and start their own businesses. Yeah. And so in 2018, you bought your first property. Was that in Tennessee or Kentucky or Texas? Yeah. So that was actually in, uh, in Missouri. So (laughs) I I grew up, yeah, I grew up up in, in Texas and, um, in 2012, um, my, my grandpa who raised me, he moved to Tennessee and, um, shortly after that, my wife's mom ended up, ended up moving to Missouri, Springfield, Missouri to get closer to some family. So, um, we were looking at moving a couple of different places. We just got tired of living in Dallas. It was just the, you know, the hustle and bustle of the big city and, and working and just traveling an hour back and forth to work. We kind of just, uh, we were just tired of it. So we looked at actually moving out to Colorado that didn't happen. Um, and so we ended up moving to Missouri and got closer to her family. And so I was still in the Texas national guard at the time. So I was going all the way from Springfield, Missouri to Northeast Texas every month, uh, to go back for drill. And then I deployed a third time. And, uh, when I deployed, I kind of, um, I, I was kind of bitter. I was like, not wanting to deploy again because I was just getting tired and I was really enjoying, um, you know, young married life. And it's hard to leave your family after a certain amount of time. It's hard to leave your family, period. But um, it doesn't get easier the the more times you have to go. So um, I kind of didn't understand. Well, on the plane ride over, I listened to the audio book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And um, I know it's it's so cliche for those who have read or know that book. But, man, that book really changed my life. And I kind of understood 
um, the direction that I wanted to go. So we bought a duplex in, um, in 2018, whenever I got right before I got home from that deployment and we lived in one side of it and rented the other side out. It really provided a, an amazing opportunity to one, learn how to be a landlord and understand, um, you know, how to accept rent, how to fix properties, how to, um, you know, do all these different things that have kind of get there. They kind of laid the foundation to where I'm at now. So, um, it was, it was like a good controlled test run where you can keep an eye on the property and everything. And it's, it's funny that it's almost like you're the, the, the poster child of a real estate investing rich dad, poor dad, and bought a duplex to house hack. Like that's the, that's what everyone preaches to start. And, uh, how important do you think that is to, to the success of, of, to get going? Yeah. So I, I like to think of it as like real estate investing with training wheels. Um, and so, um, you know, if, if you're familiar with uh, the real estate investing space, I listened to another pod or used to listen to another podcast that was beneficial and uh, kind of developing me uh, called Bigger Pockets. And so, um, you know, they talk about this stack method where, hey, um, maybe you start with one single family house and, and then that turns into two or if from a single family house, it turns into a duplex and then maybe your next one is a triplex and then maybe it's a fourplex and then, you know, maybe it's a, a 10 unit apartment building. So they, they kind of speak on how to build up um, a portfolio. And so um, it, it just gave me the confidence to say, Hey, I can do this. And this isn't really rocket science. Um, and, and also, um, you know, when you start realizing how many times you can get paid off of a rental property, it's kind of amazing. Um, so not only do you get paid your monthly cash flow, um, but you're going to get paid in appreciation and, and appreciation may not always be what it has been the last two years, but right. historically speaking, it's about 6%, which is pretty dang good whenever you compare to the stock market over a hundred years, you know? Um, and so, um, with that being said, then if you have a tenant in there paying, um, you know, rent every month then you're going to get mortgage pay down, uh, and then also the tax benefits that come along with, uh, with owning the property, you can depreciate the asset, which, you know, hopefully offset some of your, uh, income on the property so that that way you're not being taxed on that income. Um, and so there's a schedule for that as well. So, um, you know, really you can get paid a a number amount of times on one single property. Um, and so whenever I looked at that and I said, you know, you break it down it's like, okay, every night I go to sleep and I'm earn, I continue to earn money in my sleep. It kind of was just a no brainer as far as, um, you know, kind of developing this and wanting to move full steam ahead into it. Um, you know, later down the road. So yeah, I would say it was, it was monumental as far as, um, you know, the first property and just getting started. That's the hardest part, man, is just getting started. Yeah. And so I think that brings up a great point. And it's funny because even 2018, 2020, people are, oh, the market's going to crash, market's going to crash. And then they sat on the sidelines and saw this uh, historic run. And so I guess with where we're at right now, it's July 15th, 2022, for someone that's like, well, should I just get started? Because, you know, I, I see all these different headlines and it's a little bit confusing. What would you say to that person? And this is on the lane side or, or maybe they just want to buy a house too. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I would say that, um, 
you know, it's kind of like the old analogy, like when's the best time to plant a tree, uh, you know, 20 years ago, when's the next best time to plant a tree is today. So, um, with that being said, you know, you can, you can sit and you can speculate, um, you know, and you can try to time the market. Um, but the market will make a fool out of you every single time. So, um, I want to hedge, um, all my investments over the long term. So, Again, um, and what a lot of people may not understand is whenever I buy these properties, most of the time I'm buying them at probably, you know, between 50 and 70% of the value uh, of, of the property. Correct. So, Before you buy it. Yep. So, it. yeah. So a good example is let's say a house is worth $100,000 all fixed up and it needs $10,000 in repairs. Well, the most I'm going to pay for that property off the bat is $70,000 because I want to be into it for 80% minus the repairs. And the reason I want to be into that property at 80% is because if I go to refinance, most of the time uh, a bank will will finance up to 80% of the value of the property. So at that point, if I can be at that 80% or under it minus the repair costs, I have no money of my own wrapped into the deal. And so, I, you know, I'll have some money on the front side of that, you know, putting into it and borrow it, maybe borrowing private money um, to acquire and fix the property. But uh, it's so tiny. It's, it's not even generally for me, um, you know, between five and 10% of the purchase price most of the time. So um, I'm really able to buy that property, fix it up and then go to a bank and then put a loan on that property for uh, 80% of the value and then go ahead and not have any of my own money wrapped up into the deal. So um, with that being said, whenever I go to purchase the properties, it's really hard to lose money um, you know, when I'm buying at such a steep discount. Because even in 2008, most of the time properties that were bought by homeowners, you know, if they didn't get just lost their behinds and now the bank has to go in and, you know, sell these properties for, you know, 30, 40 cents on the dollar just to get them moved. So that was a large part of the problem. But historically, if you looked at the average home homeowner that was able to kind of sit on that asset and not be forced to sell it, they didn't lose 30% of their value. Um, and so I'm kind of hedging my bet on buying it at, at a discount that no matter what, even the worst case scenario, I'll still be okay. Even if the market does drop 20, 30%. So, um, that's what makes it such a safe investment, uh, for me. And, and that's why I'm able to kind of repeat the process as quickly as I have been able to. Here's the question I have, and I, I don't know if you'll have an answer because it's kind of a foreign thought that I have. So the recreational space has seen a lot of progression here in the last however many years, 20 years, let's say. And even the loan products for recreational ground and land in general has improved a lot over the last 20 years. Do you think there'll ever be a point where you can basically do the burr method on land? And obviously not to the same scale, but meaning you buy a raw piece of ground, then you put in a road system, you make it look more attractive. If there would be enough to where the bank would even recognize that. And maybe that's going on right now and I have no clue. Yeah. So I definitely think, um, you know, the burr method could work with, uh, with raw land or recreational land for sure. And I kind of anticipated that you would ask this question to me anyways. So it got me to thinking because I'm not uh, super familiar with it, but I, I believe that um, as long as you're uh, marketing and, and you're, you're buying properties, you know, 
40, 50, 60 cents on the dollar, I definitely believe that it's a possibility that it could work. So um, the way I would envision it, if, if it were me, um, let's say you, you go out and you find a piece of wreck ground and you buy it for 40 or 50 cents on the dollar, um, which those deals do exist, right? Because if I can buy a house at 40, 50 cents on a dollar, you can find land opportunities. You just have to be looking, right? So um, what I would think, say- Do you think you could do that on, on a large farm though? So I feel like that that would be the only challenge, but on a smaller scale, I would probably agree. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know enough about it. Um, sure. But I will say that there are motivated sellers. Um, no matter in what. Every, every facet. So, I mean, I've seen motivated sellers with- million dollar houses. And I've seen motivated sellers with $50,000 houses. So, um, uh, the one thing that I will say that, um, dictates whether somebody is going to give you a discount on a property is time and circumstance. So, um, what I mean by that is, um, you know, somebody may not be willing to sell that thousand acre farm, uh, for 50 cents on the dollar today, but, um, maybe their husband, who works the land uh, gets extremely sick and now they need money to pay for cancer treatments or, or whatever the case may be. And, and I know that's a, a pretty um, vile, you know, situation, but um, that's kind of the things that I see, you know, all the time is that there's somebody who all of a sudden they find themselves in an extreme amount of distress, or maybe they're motivated to get onto, a, you know, uh, from point A to point B. And so those people, no matter, no matter the, the size of the house or the land, I think that there are opportunities out there. So, um, so I don't, I don't know exactly if it's just like a small scale or a large scale thing, but I think it could work. Um, the, the reason that I think here, here's the scenario that I could see playing out in my mind. Um, and, and we'll just base this off of, let's say, you know, 40 or 50 acres, but you go out and you buy 40 or 50 acres for, let's just say 50 cents on the dollar. Um, and you, you develop it a little bit, you, you do a couple of upgrades, but next thing you, you do is, um, maybe you lease it out. Um, and, and so then you have a couple different options for leasing. So you can lease to hunters, um, you can lease out for timber rights. You can lease out for the uh, ag ground uh, farming rights. So those are just three things that I would think of. And then also another form of income, um, and this is just me thinking off the top of my head, is the CRP program. Yep. Um, so those are all ways that you can, um, if you have those options available for a piece of land that you bring in. So as long as you're covering the mortgage payment with those methods uh, or even coming close, then you can go to a bank and show them the income that's coming in on the property and they'll evaluate the, the value of the land based on appraisal. And then, you know, at that point in time, they may put financing at 80% on there. So you could actually walk away with money from buying the property and you're going to get paid those, uh, those income streams from either farming, CRP, uh, timber or, uh, you know, the ad ground being leased up. So that's how I could see something like that playing out. Uh, of course I've never done it. Um, but it got me to thinking, uh, because I had a feeling that you would probably ask that question. So I said, I said, okay, um, if I were going to apply the burn method to right ground, what would it even look like? And that's yeah. kind of what I came up with in my mind. Well, and that brings up a great point in terms of the, what makes the burr method work is you're buying under market deals to begin with. I mean, that's, that's the basis or, or are you, it's, it's just tough 
for me, so I guess what I'm thinking too is just the segue for a bank to understand like the the delta between the two of like this is raw raw land, but it's like raw land that's somehow slightly improved. I think would probably be uh, one thing. But to your point, it's the the purchase price entry is where the magic of that happens. Yeah, and, and I would say um, you know before uh, don't don't definitely don't take my advice and just go out <laughs> thinking you're gonna go yeah do this because I'm saying that it that it works in my mind. Right. So one of the, one of the key components is like, I've been building relationships with local banks here in town and they understand uh, the end goal. And then I also have brought a proven track record of what I've been able to do with some of the houses that I've purchased. Um, And so they see that and they see the value I've created and and the the wealth that I've been able to create. And so it's really easy whenever they look at a, a personal financial statement um, to say, okay, um, you know, you have X amount in assets, you have X amount in liabilities, but your assets more than cover your liabilities. Um, and you have these income streams. It's easy for them to say, Hey, you know what? We will do a deal with you. And pretty soon before you know it, you're doing two, three, four, five, six, you know, up to however many deals the bank will allow on their books, um, all because you built a relationship. And and I can go into my bank right now, one of my banks here in town, and they know me by name. I don't even have to pull an ID out. And I know everybody by their first name in the bank that I mainly deal with. And, uh, and I have a really good relationship with them. So um, I would just say that one, educate yourself on the process of, of how to do it. And there's a ton of resources out there for Burr. And even if they don't necessarily translate to land exactly, you could find ways to parallel it because income on a property is income on a property. Um, and as long as you can um, convey that to a bank and sit down with uh, maybe their loan specialist, um, then um, you know you, you stand a pretty decent chance of, of at least getting your foot in the door. So um, that's, that's probably the biggest thing I would say is like, hey, build those relationships and learn and then take the, the data that you have to the bank and show them, hey, what, one, what are you trying to accomplish? And two, what's the, like, wh- how are you going to get there? So if you can bridge that gap, um, the banker is, is probably going to be more apt to uh, work with you than, than just push you away. Because at the end of the day, banks want to make money too. So um, as, as long as, as they feel safe in uh, investing in your asset um, and they have faith in you, uh, as a business person, they're gonna, they'll probably be okay doing it as long as you can convey that. <clears throat> How many deals have you done since 2020? Yeah, so um, we are on track right now to do 30 properties this year alone, and yeah. we might exceed that. Um, the year before, I think we did 12, and then our first six months, because we basically started in the middle of COVID. It was like March of 2020, and we didn't do our first deal until um, June 2nd of that of 2020. So when we closed our first deal, um, and we ended up doing eight that year. So we had a little bit of growth our second year, but um, you know our growth has been tremendous mainly because I've I've not been in the army this year, and I've had basically from January you know forward to to where we are now to work on the business fully. Um, and so I would imagine we're probably somewhere, uh, in total close to 45, you know, probably 40 deals that we've done since 2020. That's a lot. 
Yeah. So, and and I've had, I had experience before working with another firm. So, uh, you know, as far as like total deals that I've been involved in, we're probably, I'm probably getting close to a hundred or so uh, between working for my, you know, working with my company and then working for uh, a previous employer. So, so someone is listening right now and they're like, well, man, I want to find one of these deals that are heavily discounted. What could you tell them on? And I, I know there's a, a lot of just hard knocks and a lot of rejection, but what, what would you tell that person to, how would they get started? Yep. So, um, the easiest way is, is, is to get from, um, what we call in the mastermind group that I'm part of, uh, just get from zero to one. All right. So if you can get from zero to one, uh, then you can build on that and go from one to two, two to three, so on and so forth. But, um, the hardest thing is getting from zero to one. So figure out the things that are going to get you from zero to one and then repeat those steps over and over and over again. Um, and so what I would say for somebody who's kind of looking, uh, to either get started and and maybe they want to acquire land, or maybe they want to do kind of what I'm doing with properties. Um, you know, you can definitely spend a lot of money in marketing and, and we're to a point now where we, we do spend a pretty fair amount. Um, but what you can do that is absolutely free is go and knock on a door. Right. Um, and, and so, yeah, that's going to take a lot of, uh, a lot of courage on the front side. Um, and, uh, you're probably going to screw it up. Um, uh, but what I like to say is like, if you're interested in, in like learning it, just go out and, you know, there's a fine balance between like learning and then just being stuck in analysis paralysis and not doing anything. So, um, as long as you're moving with action, you can do any of these, these steps, but I would say, you know, if you, if there's a farm that you've been eyeballing, um, you know, take out on X and, and pull up the owner's information. And most of the time it's going to tell you exactly where they live, go knock on their door. If they don't live on that farm and just say, Hey, um, I know you don't know me, but my name is so-and-so, uh, I see this piece of land that you own at X road and Y road. Um, have you ever thought about selling that? And, you know, they may say, no, screw off, or they might even just say, yeah, we've considered it. And then that kind of is the open door to, um, you know, kind of, you know, analyze it and then say, hey, here's what I would offer um, on this property. Um, And then it's just really about negotiations and follow ups after that. So um, I, I would say that out of every five deals that I look at, I'm going to put one of them under contract. And it's not because I'm not making offers. It's because that's about the, uh, the, the rate that we see offers accepted at, um, is between 20 and 25% of the offers I make are accepted. Um, and so, um, really it's just about, um, finding a way to get from zero to one and just repeat the process. And I know it sounds simple enough, but, um, the best way, the, 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 the way that it's going to be, uh, the cheapest is just to go knock on doors. The next easiest way is probably to, um, you know, give somebody a cold call and it probably sounds a lot the same as, as a door knock, except for you're on the phone and that's probably a more achievable way, but then you have to worry about, um, you know, locating somebody's number and, um, you know, kind of what to say on the phone and, and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, I would say that, um, my biggest, uh, the, the times I'm most success, successful is I'm face to face with somebody. 
Um, and, and that's kind of where I found the most success, but cold calling can work. You can shoot them a text. Uh, we're in a text heavy world right now. Um, you know, but you also have to understand that you may talk to a thousand people before one person says yes. Um, and that's just the nature of it is it, it's, it's a, it's a game of sales and everything is a sales funnel. And so it's like door, people, door knocking on steroids. Yeah. The, <laughs> the trying more, to get permission. Yep. The more leads you put in the top, uh, the more consistent you're going to be at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's good advice. It definitely is intimidating. And I would also add, if you're doing that, actually have your ducks in a row to where if they're like, yeah, I, I would be interested in selling. And they're like, oh crap. Uh, and I, uh, can I get a loan? Can I do all these different things? So I would, I would add that to, in case, in case people don't realize that that would definitely uh, be the first thing to do. So, yeah, absolutely. you know, you you mentioned, we were just talking a little bit before, but you might, you mentioned dominating the downturn. So what in terms of uh, like, what does that look like? Or what does that mean? You, you broke up there just a little bit. So oh, um, I said, uh, you know, we, we spoke a little bit previously about uh, dominating the downturn. So what, what, what does that mean? And, and what does that look like? Not that we're necessarily in a downturn right now, but what's yeah. that look like? Yep. So um, I would say uh, the, I got dominating the downturn uh, from the master uh, mastermind group that I'm part of, which consists of, you know, approximately 300 or so investors from around the country. And we, we get together a couple times a quarter in person and we do weekly, weekly calls and we kind of navigate like, Hey, what's the market look like and how, how do we continue to find success in the things that we're doing? Um, and so basically whenever I think about dominating the downturn, um, I kind of think of it as a lot of people are unsure about what the market is doing, um, in the next 30 days, the next 60 days, the next 180 days, and even the next year. Um, but what I will say um, is, is that if um, if you slow down now, if you're investing in real estate or looking to get from zero to one and you just put the brakes on, well, well, if you've never done one deal and you put the brakes on, chances are you'll probably just never do any deals, uh, first and foremost. And if you're already doing deals um, and you think, okay, and you're listening to all the white noise and you say, okay, well, I need to... Um, I just need to slow down. Well, then you're really missing an opportunity for growth because what I think is going to happen is there's a lot of people in the investing space right now that, that they made good money um, in the last two years because it was easy to make good money in the last two years. And so if you slow down now, then a lot of the people that were going to drop away anyways, they're going to disappear And there's going to be three or four people in your market that just dominate and they feast because one, there's always going to be sellers who want to sell a house. And we're seeing it more and more um, with interest rates rising that people are becoming more, um, I don't want to say desperate, but they're becoming more open and they understand that their their house isn't going to get 20 offers in a day and get under contract for $20,000 above the list price with an appraisal gap. Um, and so with that, with that being said, um, you know, I'm seeing more, um, sellers who are coming back to us because we provo- we provide a service of buying with cash. So if you slow down right now, then you're going to miss a huge opportunity to grow and, and build some good wealth. And, and I actually just put a post on my Facebook last night is that people were investing in real estate before 2008. 
There were some people that invested in real estate during 2008 when people said, oh, you can't do it. And then there were people that really got fat pockets from 2008 on after up until now, you know? Um, and so if, if they were able to do it during, you know, even during the downturn last time, um, you know, why can't I do it now? And, and it all goes back to, Hey, uh, you got to make smarter decisions and you got to understand that when you underwrite a deal, um, you just have to know like, Hey, what's the worst case scenario here? Um, you know, if I, if I'm going to flip a house, I, I want to make 40 or $50,000 on that flip. But you know what, if the house is sitting on the market and, uh, and I just need to get rid of it, then guess what? I'll gladly make $20,000 and I'll take that as a win. Um, but I have to know kind of what the downside is to that. So it's about understanding risk and, and being very calculated in your next steps. And so that's how I, I kind of foresee, you know, what we're doing here with our company um, moving forward as being able to dominate the downturn, so to speak. So just being educated, network with others who, um, you know, who are either doing what you're doing at a high level um, or are trying to do what you're doing at a high level and uh, continue to um, just make smart um, you know, deep discounted offers. And, and I think if you can do that, um, I think you're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's, it all boils down to just getting started and, and continuing on. I mean, that's really, I think in essence of what it is, regardless, I mean, you, you can only control what you can, you can't control interest rates. You can't control what the market does. Um, you can right. only control your output of work and what you're doing. Yeah. I, I saw a statistic also that, um, we're still, uh, as a, as a country, we're still like 35% below, um, on our housing. So, so like, there's just not enough inventory for the available buyers, um, that want to buy a house. So, um, you know, people are going to keep buying a house no matter, I think what the interest rates are and, yeah. and the government is going to understand, um, that, Hey, if there's nobody to buy houses, that's not a good thing either. So they're going to have to balance interest rates, I think eventually. Um, but the quickest way that they could have done anything and right, wrong, or indifferent. And, and I'm not saying I'm for this administration or against it, but I'm just saying that the quickest way that they could have done anything to slow the inflation is to like have a, a knee jerk reaction almost and raise the interest rates at a significant pace to kind of curb, uh, the, uh, the inflation, especially in the housing market. Yeah. Um, and if they wouldn't have, then I think we would have seen a lot, uh, a lot worse, uh, after effects down the, down the road. Um, and so it's just like steering a ship, you know, like to, to turn at a 90 degree turn, you're going to have to turn the rudder a full 180 degrees to get some momentum in your, in your move. Right. So that's kind of the way that I think the government has been with raising the rates. Um, but, uh, like I said, people are still going to have to have places to buy, to live. Um, and, uh, people are still, people were investing in the 80 or investing and in buying in the eighties when interest rates were 10, 11, 12%. And so I think, um, you know, as long as we don't have a knee jerk reaction as like the end buyer or consumer of properties, um, you know, we'll be fine. Uh, mm -hmm. it's just gonna, it's just gonna take time. And, and I think ultimately, um, it was probably for the best that we did slow the market down. I 
hate to say it, but I, I agree. I was talking to a farmer here locally that was talking about the eighties crisis and how high interest rates were. And he's, you know, was talking about how cheap land, like really good tillable, tillable ground went during that time frame. Like it was just an ugly time. And he, of course, hindsight's 2020 is like, I wish I would have bought everything and just refinanced it. <laughs> you know? uh, and so like, that's something to consider as well. If, if you're able to weather that storm and we had uh, Flint Coke on here, which uh, he's bought, bought and sold a bunch of farms and has a lot of rental properties and basically the same strategy there too. So it's like, there's always opportunities in some form or fashion. You just got to pivot and recognize them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and I will say one of, uh, one of the, the factors of our success um, is that we have, we have a lot of exit strategies. So, you know, I can, I have the availability to flip a house and my wife is an agent. And we, I think we were talking about that maybe before we recorded, but my wife being an agent, I'm able to capture some income off the back of the property instead of paying another agent, you know, we get to bring that commission back into the household. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I do get access to the MLS. Um, you know, I've done what's called uh, wholesaling, which is basically where I find a, a deal and, um, you know, I buy it at a discounted rate. And then I just assign that property to another investor who is going to flip that. So you collect kind of what we call the quick cash doing that. Um, you know, I've, I've bought properties, uh, that are rental properties that I I've done the burr method on. And in a way, in a way I've done the burr method on almost all of my properties that I own in one, one form or fashion or another, um, which is, uh, and I know you had a guest on last week, uh, on last week's episode speaking about it, but basically for those that don't know, the burr method is where you buy a property, um, you know, hopefully at a discounted rate, um, you rehab the property, you put a renter in the property and then you refinance it. And then the last R stands for repeat the process. So, um, that that's a way that I can go purchase a property. And then at the very end, um, if I did it right, you know, I don't have any of my money left in it. I get refunded all my money from the bank whenever I put a loan on it. And I've even had uh, times where I've done that process and the bank has given me a $20,000 check and I get to keep a property that pays me $500 a month. So um, it, it's just, it's, uh, it's a magical um, kind of process that you can use. Um, and I will say that the kicker right now is that um, rental rates and um, and property prices have risen so much, and they're, they're, the prices of properties are exceeding the rental uh, rate um, to a point where now you almost have to buy a property at 40 cents on the dollar um, that by the time you refinance at like a six or a six and a half percent loan, you can cash flow. So that's one of the biggest struggles right now with doing Burr um, with the interest rates rising is just having a loan that, you know, you can cash flow on, on the backside, um, which is why we've kind of pivoted to do uh, more flips and more wholesales right now. Um, just because the, I can, I can utilize the cash and keep recycling it that way. Sure. Yeah. That, that makes, uh, makes great sense. And I think, do you, does that eventually catch up or correct or do rentals rental rates increase to where it's a little bit easier for cash flow, uh, being cash flow positive? Yeah. So we've continued to see rental, uh, prices rise. Um, part of the issue, um, is I think that they're going to continue to rise. And, and I've seen a lot of people say, Hey, even with the interest rates, uh, the, the rental rates are going to rise because at the end of the day, an investor like myself, 
um, they're going to find a way to compensate and, and get their cash flow out of a deal. And if that means that rent uh, has to increase 100 or $200 a month on a property, well, then that, that is what it is. And if there's limited volume of, of places to live, then somebody is going to have to pay it. And, and unfortunately, um, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily always seem fair. Um, and yeah, wages haven't risen quick enough. So I think that something is going to have to happen with, with the common day wage. Um, but one of the things that we're kind of controlled by here in my market is, is that, that it's a military town. And so the largest pool of renters, um, they're, they're servicemen and women. And so they're kind of capped by, um, you know, the, the housing allowance rate that they get paid. And I think it's like 15, 15, 16, maybe 14 or $1,500 a month. Um, and so before, you know, a couple of years ago, you could have rented a place or even bought a house and, uh, you know, your mortgage or your rent would have been more than covered by that $1,500. And you might've been able to pocket a little bit of that money. Um, but now rental rates are $1,500, $1,600 a month, um, you know, for like a three bedroom house. And so, um, you know, those rates are going to have to rise too. I think the military is going to have to look at that and um, say, hey, inflation is, has gone up and the, the, the prices of housing has gone up so much that we're going to have to increase the rate. So I'm not going to say we're capped by, um, you know, that, but it's a pretty good indicator in this market of how quickly uh, your rent can grow or increase. And so you may always out, uh, outdo that, uh, that, that housing stipend by a little bit, um, but you may not exceed it by four or $500 a month. Um, it's, I think that's always gonna play a little bit of a role, at least locally in what rental rates look like. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Do you think that, I mean, in, if someone was listening to this and they wanted to buy land, I mean, are you really confident in the method of the bird method or, or just straight up flipping or wholesaling in order to, to build that basis in order to go and buy a, a 40 or 50 acre chunk, like one oh, of the yeah. fastest ways yeah. to do it. 110%. So, um, uh, to, to kind of give you an example, um, and, and I don't, I haven't thrown my, my net worth out there to a lot of, a lot of folks, but, um, I want, and I don't, I don't want to do this from a position to say, Hey, look at me. What I want to do is I want to educate people on what investing in real estate can do and how it can change your life, um, massively. So, um, in 2017, uh, you know, I, I was unemployed. I was actually a, a self-employed. I was a, I was a photographer and I made a little bit of money doing that and filming weddings and, and kind of doing that outdoor thing. And it, it was cool. And, and I think that's initially how I ran across you guys is doing a little bit of, uh, content stuff for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that was cool and all, but like, I just had no money. Um, and and I, I want to say right before I left on that deployment, I think I had like $1,500 in my bank account. My net worth was definitely negative. Um, and, and through the, the process uh, of investing and, and just staying the course, um, we'll, be, we'll be on track that our net worth will exceed um, seven figures probably by this time next year. Man, and so awesome. when, you, when you think about um, how quickly that's happened from 2017 to 2023, it's not a very big window, right? And really probably 2020 to now, I mean, realistically. Yeah. Yeah. So 2020 to now is when the majority of it has happened. Um, and, and I just think back and I'm like, okay, 
part of my problem too, and I was going to explain this is, um, I've, I've gotten to a point where, um, yeah, I know that land can be an investment, but an, an investment to me is a little more cash little flow. Bit, yeah. A little that's bit a problem with all these real, that's a problem with all these guys that do the burr method. They're like, ah, oh, well, I can get better returns somewhere else. And it, yes, the, yeah. the, the yeah. land lover in me is like, ah, oh, I'll, I'll look past it. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I know. And, and so it's a trade-off, right? So, yeah. so it's like whatever you're comfortable with. So for me, it's hard for me to say, okay, I'm going to take to, I'm going to take two or three hundred thousand dollars and and put, wrap that up in the land because that same two or three hundred thousand dollars I can I can generate almost you know five or six times that amount of money by investing that so it's really hard for me to say hey um, let me let me invest in that now somebody who um, isn't as as investment savvy as I am they that's probably definitely a really good place to park your money. Um, and be able to enjoy it, right? So mm-hmm. go out and and if you if you don't want to put your money in a savings account, but you want the next best thing that is is almost guaranteed to appreciate, um, yeah, you're not going to be able to necessarily pull that money out uh, in the quickest manner. But go out and buy that forty or fifty acres and and tie up the money in that and get your enjoyment out of it. Um, for me right now, that's not the best use of of my dollars. So. Um, really, and I'll kind of transition into this is I think, um, my end goal is to really build passive income first. And so, um, my, my first initial target is to get to where I've, I'm bringing in about $10,000 a month in passive income. And that's not from, you know, flipping or anything else. That's just rental income all on its own. Um, and, and so if I can do that, um, everything else I make from flipping because I don't pay myself a salary right now is just going to be the, the icing on the cake. And so um, with that being said, um, when, I, when I get to that point, I'll probably look at um, tying up some money um, to be able to do something bigger, whether it be a, a land acquisition um, to hold his wreck ground or, you know, maybe I buy a, a house with five to 10 acres and I'm happy with that. Um, but that's kind of, for me, uh, like I said, I, I just, it's so hard to get over the fact that I can take that amount of money and, and kind of recycle it into buying more properties, um, than to tie it up. Um, uh, but I would definitely say, Hey, if that's, if that's what you're into and you want to enjoy some land, go out and buy some land. And, and I know plenty of guys that, who, uh, flip land. So they'll hold it for two to five years and then they'll flip it for a bigger piece of land. And then they'll hold that for two to five years and they'll improve it and they'll flip it into a, a little bit bigger piece of land and, it, and they're highly successful doing it. And sometimes what that really takes uh, from my understanding is just getting some big deer on camera and just posting the pictures of the land and the big deer and, and sure people helps. go go crazy over that, man. Yeah, no. And that's true. And that's what I love about this too, is there's just so many ways to find success and what, and the beauty of that is success is whatever, you know, whatever it is for you. I mean, there's no, it's, there's no metric and that's, that's internal. If, if your success is having some ground to enjoy it, or if success is having passive income where you can go, you know, that's just the beauty of it. You can do it however you want and there's really no wrong way to do it. But the most common theme is you have to get started. That's literally the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, uh, like I said, just, just taking, just getting from zero to one and taking those, uh, those same steps that you did to get from zero to one, it, it's not rocket science. You, you just, you, you redo what, what found you success in 
the first place. And you just carry it forward to keep momentum and keep building deals and keep doing things. Um, and like I said, the way, the way I do things isn't maybe necessarily the way somebody else wants to do them. Um, and, and if you make money and you're happy and it enriches your life, by all means, like invest in whatever you want to. I've just, uh, I, I knew that investing in stocks and bonds and 401ks, it wasn't for me. I didn't ever understand those things. But what I did understand was um, taking a house that needed work and having, uh, you know, putting a new bathroom or a new kitchen into it. And I knew what the value on the backside would bring me. Um, and that that's something I was really able to wrap my mind around is that tangible asset. And, um, and just the fact that, um, you know, most millionaires are created through real estate, um, you know, real estate earnings. Um, and, and so there's a million ways to do it. This is just the way that I found to be successful. And I, I do utilize a few different methods, but, uh, what I have done is work for me and, uh, and, and I, I love it. And, and so while I love it and I'm making good money, uh, at doing it and I'm creating a lot of positive change, I'm going to continue to do it until I, I'm just not happy with doing it anymore. Yes. And I'm assuming you went kind of on this journey because you, you like to deer hunt a lot and you wanted some more flexibility come November. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I, and I was, um, last year I was fortunate that I took off pretty much two and a half months to hunt, which is something I've never been able to do in my life. Um, and it put me in a lot of really great opportunities. I didn't find a, um, the success that I wanted, but I still had the opportunities that I, I wanted. And, and another thing is that obviously um, I just turned 33 this last week and I'm not getting younger. Um, and so I want to have opportunities in the future. And, and so, um, you know, I'm, I'm going on a caribou hunt here. With Reese, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going on a caribou hunt here in the next like three and a half weeks or so. Um, and it's my first paid hunt to ever do. Um, but, um, you know, because I've been able to have the flexibility and build a business, um, that's something that I'm exploring more into doing just cause I love, you know, I want to, I want to be able to have opportunities where I can go on a, maybe I have a higher success rate by going on a paid elk hunt on a New Mexico landowner tag. Um, and, and I, and that, that may not be what everybody wants. And, and that, another thing I wanted to say is that, um, you know, right now I don't really have the, the huge itch to buy a farm because I still really enjoy whitetail hunting on public land. Um, and that's just kind of my thing right now. Sure. Um, and, and so like, I, I just haven't had the itch to say, Hey, I'm going to go out and buy a piece of red ground, but, um, but I do want other opportunities to be able to go out and do some paid hunts and, and hopefully have higher success rates because of it. Um, and I just want to hunt and, uh, and, and have my time off and, and not be hindered by, you know, a job or, you know, the military or whatever else to be able to go out and say, Hey, you can't do that. And, and so, yeah, man, that's, that's the reason I, I do a lot of this is like one to provide some time freedom and, uh, and help, help enrich my life to do the things I want to do. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's why you do it. I think, uh, I, yeah. Any, anything else you want to close out? Cause I think that's like a really, uh, I'm ready to go run through a wall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I, I don't, I don't have really anything, uh, just super inspirational. I don't, I don't guess. Um, well, it's just, it's cool too. Cause I feel like I, Ironically, the first time I, we kind of met was like right at that pivotal point in your life too, where you were just kind of getting going in that space. Cause I think that was probably in June and yeah. you closed on your first deal in June. So me on the outside looking in, it's just cool to see 
you, you start this and the success that you've built up to this point and the direction you're headed. So uh, for me, it, it's just very relatable to, to see what you've done in really a short amount of time. So first, uh, just congratulations and, and keep it up. What would I say? Thank you, man. I, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm always open to talk to anybody and, and I don't ever want to come across as, as the expert, but I, I have a fair amount of experience. Um, so if, um, if somebody is, you know, interested in learning more, I can point them in the right, uh, resources. I don't have, um, right now I don't have a, just a ton of disposable time, uh, to answer a million questions, but if somebody reaches out to me, um, as long as they show initiative, I'm, I'm open to ha- I'm open to happily help anybody kind of get pointed in the right direction. Um, like I said, I don't know a ton about the land space, but, um, you know, I do, I recognize a deal. So, um, <laughs> if somebody, if somebody wants to, you know, look at, at partnering or, or they run across, they just don't know how to handle it. I'm more than open to help analyze it and see if there's a way to uh, make something happen on that front as well. Awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate your time and appreciate the information and good luck in Alaska, caribou hunting. Good luck this fall. And I'm sure we'll, we'll stay in contact here uh, throughout the year. Yeah, for sure, man. I appreciate you having me on. There you guys have it. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Thank you to Anthony for taking the time to record. And as always, if you enjoyed the conversation, you learned something, share it with a friend or leave a five-star written review. We're closing in on 100, which is awesome. So I just want to say thank you to everybody. Until next time, see you guys.